Very cool. Very, very cool. Last week, I began a message uh, called Embracing the Mystery of the Holy Spirit. And I have found something unusual and interesting this week. I have logged hours of conversation about this topic. Some people disagreeing, some people agreeing, some people coming with questions, but it's all really good. You know, a message that has no response is rarely what I would consider a great message. A message that has any response is usually a better message. Good response, bad response. Even if you leave the church over it, maybe it had a good effect. I don't know. I'm not really wanting anybody to leave, but, well, maybe a few of you. Anyway, so we're visiting the next part of this, uh, and we're just calling it Embracing the Mystery of the Holy Spirit, Part 2. Are you comfortable with that mystery? And, and I'm going to repeat a, a few of the slides from last time just to kind of set it up. This is from Francis Chan. Uh, he's, a, he's a great writer. But the Spirit led the first followers to do inexplicable things, to live lives that didn't make sense to the culture around them, and ultimately to spread the story of God's grace around the world. You see... The, the, the key ingredients there is it was unexplainable and it did not make sense in the culture. Now, it's not good enough just to be weird. But there was something attractive in the message and in their actions and behavior that was not explainable in human terms. Meaning, A, humans don't act like that. And B, it had a supernatural quality to it. And what we can pick up from Scripture is three bullets I'm going to give you here. It reveals that the Holy Spirit enables empowered believers to put sin to death. That's number one. To overcome great obstacles and to see what was really happening in the moment. All right? So one of those is happening internally. The other one is obstacles in life. They can be personal obstacles. They can be Uh, corporate or public obstacles, and to understand and recognize God is moving in the moment. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. You won't get that from the Bible. You won't open the Bible to page, you know, 493 and see what's happening right now in this room. But the Spirit can show you and reveal to you what is happening in this room. So if you want to be relevant in this room, you'd better have the Spirit. If you want to be relevant in this culture, then the Spirit is going to have to play a role. Because aside from that, you're going to appear religious. Gifts were available as needed. Knowledge, strength, faith, they were all there, ready as needed. God says, go, I am with you. When you need to walk on water, you'll be able to do that. When you need to raise the dead, you'll be able to do that. When you need to forgive the unforgivable, you'll be able to do that. You'll be able to do everything that happens in your life. You'll be able to do that because I am with you and I can do all things. And as Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you see, the understanding, the overriding understanding is the spirit in us enables us to be, I'm going to use the term, superhuman. 
And without that, we become human with religious values or with Christian values. If we read and we believe the accounts that we see in Scripture, if we just read the Scripture and we didn't know anything about the church and somebody said, the church you've been reading about, they're right over here. You would expect to see something that is very different. You can't look at the church in the New Testament and say, wow, there's nothing different about that church. So the one who's sent, that's the Holy Spirit, empowers purpose, qualifies us to do what we do, and equips us. All right, so just quickly on these verses, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses. You will be my testimony. You will be the ones that share my story effectively and powerfully, just like I did. Telling people everywhere to the ends of the earth. So that means everywhere on the globe and everywhere through time. The mandate goes forward in time from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 16. They're saying, from now on, we regard no one else from a worldly point of view. There is a view change. There is a paradigm shift in how we see humanity. It has to happen. If we're still seeing people as, you know, they're mean, they're ugly, they're bossy, that's a control freak, they're tall, they're short, they're smart, they're funny, they're talented, nobody likes them. If that's how you see the world, then you are missing the eyes of the Holy Spirit. I mean, can you imagine the Holy Spirit sitting here with us? That guy's such a jerk. I know what you mean. I mean, can you hear the Holy Spirit talking like that? But if one of us said that, that would sound kind of normal, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's the difference. You see, that's different. I look and I can see a jerk. And God says, you know what I see when I look at that guy? I see the guy that inspired me to create him. I see the one that was the apple of my eye. I see the person that before he was conceived, I was in love with him. That's what I see. Would you like to know more about him, Bill? Would you like to know more about what I know about him? Because I know everything about him. And what God would reveal to me From now on, we regard no one with a worldly point of view. You see how different it becomes? You see what a challenge it is in our humanity to think this way? Do you see when the Holy Spirit begins to speak, it's not just about healing the sick. It's not just about words of knowledge about other people. You know, that person has a test tomorrow and they're going to fail it. It's not about this person has cancer. It's also about words of knowledge that affect me. I was having a conversation with some people this week. And uh, in that conversation, it went something like this. One of them says, I don't believe in doctors. The other one says, I don't believe in doctors. I'm listening to this. I'm thinking, and, and I, I'm just going to say, the Holy Spirit inspires my thought process here. What do they mean, don't believe in doctors? They don't believe they exist. 
Uh, they don't believe they heal people. They don't believe. What is it that they don't believe about doctors? Because they are around us. They're here on the planet. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to me. You hate bankers. I've been saying that since I was 25. I hate bankers. I can say it just like that. And if you let me go for the next 30 minutes, I can give you a litany that's all absolutely true about why I hate bankers. I don't believe in doctors. I hate bankers. You see how they're the same thing? You see how they're a worldly point of view? You see, the Spirit is after that in me. The Spirit used that moment not to talk about doctors, but to talk about me. That's the Spirit that does that. And, 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 the, and then the Spirit says to me, so, question for you. Do you hate bankers? I'm sitting here going, No, I don't. Next question. Do you hate any banker? No, I don't. You see how the Holy Spirit got me? You see what happened there? If I'm listening, what does it mean to allow the Spirit to speak? It means that the Spirit can have that conversation with me. And we have an honest conversation. Regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. I am a new creation. The old is gone. I am, I am learning. I can learn. I can hear the Spirit. I can walk in the Spirit. I can move in the Spirit. I can do those things. Why? Because God said I could. That's why. I'm not special. I'm not more powerful than anybody else. I'm not called different than anybody in this room. Wyatt can do what I do. Why? Because he knows Jesus. That's why. It's that simple. Now, it's not just he can. It's he is called to. I am called to walk in the Spirit that way. I am called to not regard myself any longer as that typical human. The wisdom that we need to live this new life is supernatural, folks. Are we just become another squeaky wheel church? 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 no, the wisdom we speak of in the mystery of God is the plan that was previously hidden even though he made it uh, for our ultimate glory. He made it for our glory. The plan was for our glory before the world began. That's a plan. When God has a plan before the world began that includes our glory, why would not we not pay attention? Why would that not sound pretty important to us? 
Verse 10, same chapter. But it was uh, to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. I'm reading a book on uh, Albert Einstein right now. And what's interesting about Albert Einstein is when he began to get these, I'm going to call them revelations and dreams about relativity. You know what he said? This is a quote. I began to see the thoughts of God. I agree with him. God was revealing things to him. He gets it. I mean, he worked in a patent office. Do you know he wasn't even a PhD? He was, he was kind of a flunky working. In a, and so when he wrote, in 1905, when he wrote all these papers that have changed the entire universe, didn't change the universe. It changed our perspective of the universe. He didn't even have a doctorate. He couldn't even get a teaching job. And what he says is, all of a sudden, I was able to see the thoughts of God. You see, that's what Paul is describing here. That's the capacity and the potential of it. No one can know a person through thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. You can argue all day long about what the spirit can and will do in you. But the, what it says is it will reveal the thoughts of God. And what God wants is for his thoughts to be how we look at our thoughts. You see, when I come face to face with a inner vow that I've made since my 20s that I hate bankers, and now I see that through the context of God's thoughts, and what it does is it exposes my own. It exposes them. You see, the Spirit desires to expose your thoughts to you. In light of God doesn't want me to compare myself and my thoughts to Kim or to Melinda or to Wyatt. He wants me to compare my thoughts to his thoughts. Verse 13, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain the spiritual truths. Chan's quote once again, the church becomes irrelevant when it becomes purely a human creation. It's important to hear that. It's important to hear that because if we go to church now, if you're just here to hang out with people, I guess you're mission accomplished. I mean, if you really like hanging out with these people. But when you stop liking that, you'll, you'll go do something else. But we do that in our families also, don't we? we wow, my family's getting a little rough. I'm going to find another family. We are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and our churches can be explained 
apart from the work in the presence of the Spirit of God. Perhaps it's not theology we're missing, but rather theological integrity. Many have the knowledge but lack the courage to admit the discrepancy between what we know and how we live. I was having a conversation with some pastors this week, and there was a lament voiced about um, the values of the church being watered down, the values of church being challenged and reduced, and how we need to teach on the values of the church. We need to encourage and, and pursue the values of the church. You know what my spirit said right then? Why? Why would we call people to values they don't have? Why would I do that? You need to stop lying, and you need to be on time, and you need to this, and you need to tithe, and uh, you need to start being nice to your wife, and you need to, you just need to be very different, you know. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we, can, we can go on and on about spiritual values and spiritual virtues, but you see, that really describes repentance incorrectly. Often we talk about repentance as turning away from sin. But that's really not the point of repentance. Repentance is turning toward God. The fact that you turned away from sin is only consequential to turning to God. But if you tell the world, turn away from your sin, but you give them nothing to turn to, you say we need to stop calling people to virtues and values. They're yours. They're not theirs, they're yours. Stop trying to put your virtues and values on other people. But instead, offer them Jesus. Offer them the Spirit. The Spirit is what changes my values. If you would have said, Bill, you shouldn't say you hate bankers. I'd say, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't say I hate bankers. Bad mouth. Sorry. Oops, I won't say that anymore, especially around people who will correct me. But did that really change my heart toward bankers? No, I just look virtuous, don't I? God bless our bankers. <laughs> Lousy jerks. You see the problem? The Holy Spirit knows that my, my disregard for a person or a people group is there. How is it different? Somebody hates Muslims. Somebody hates Christians. Somebody hates blacks. Somebody hates whatever. How is that different than bankers? It's, it's the same thing. It's just a random people group that I'm persecuting in my soul. But it's the Spirit that brings the best and the greatest correction. If we will allow that switch to be on, and we will allow the Spirit to speak and have those dialogues within our soul. We will allow the Spirit. The Spirit speaks. And it will speak a lot about you, to you. Bless you. You gotta let that rip, man. You'll hurt something doing that. That probably sounded really worse on worse on. <clears throat> that was a sneeze for those who don't know. 
Okay, <laughs> recovering, <laughs> recovering, May, maybe not. Okay, you see, without him, we're serious now. Sorry. Without him, people operate in their own strength, in their own accomplished human-sized results. The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. It's just true. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. We won't be different than the Peace Corps, than the Salvation Army. And you know what? Some of them are really better than us at a lot of what we try to do. But if we become the people, the people of God, who listen for the Holy Spirit and we act upon that, then we will be different. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. You see, we live with two truths. I have this truth of what the Scripture says about me as a person of God. What does it say about me? It says that I am equipped, that I am that I am qualified. You're not disqualified. You are equipped. We are capable of being the people of God in all of His glory. Not because we're good, not because we're better, but because He has promised He would work through us. It's His choice. And so we have this truth of who we are in Christ, and then we have our life where we can be hopeless and defeated. I had somebody this last week tell me, I've been a Christian for like 20 years. I'm still in the same spot. That person is not alone. A lot of people in a similar spot. Two truths. Here's who I live like. Here's what I listen to. Here's what I struggle with. Here's who I am. I talked to a person this week about this earth and said, you know, if, if the Holy Spirit was out of me, I don't think anybody would notice. I think that's true of many of us. Holy Spirit was gone, we'd look kind of the same. Holy Spirit left that person, really. They look a little like they lost a little weight. It, it might be true, I don't know. The question is, which truth are you going to call true? Your experience and your life, what you can't hear, what you can't see, what you don't experience, or are you going to call what Scripture says about you and God to be true? You have to decide. And you don't do it once. You do it every day. You do it every minute. You decide which one of those is true. You got to decide which one you're going to believe. And then you have one more decision to make. What are you going to do about it? What's your response going to be? 
You see, we can follow the truth that we already know and experience. Do you hear from God? No, he doesn't talk to me. What's God saying? God isn't saying anything. What's God doing? God's not doing anything. If he is, I don't know anything about it. He didn't share it with me. I think he's mad because I sinned, because I'm in sin, because I am sin, blah, 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 whatever. You know, there's these reasons. So you can just say, okay, I'm going to move away from that. All that really means is I'm going to move away from values and virtues that I see of the church. I'm going to go the other way from what I see as the character of God. Or I can do nothing. I can just acknowledge it's there. Yeah, I'm supposed to be here. I'm here. Sucks to be me. Or I can pursue God's truth with all my being. See, the difference is how do you view this tension of truth? Because you see, the Holy Spirit is in the contradiction. What are you going to do with it? You see, if you see it as a crisis that must be dealt with immediately, if you see an urgency, then do something. Do something. Don't do what you did yesterday. Do something different. If you believe the truth of God, then pursue that truth like it's true. Things like, I'm stuck, they're not true, are they? I mean, I want you to read in the scripture where it says, you know, and there are times when Jesus just, you're stuck, and he leaves you there stuck. Sucks to be you, you're stuck. You don't see that. You don't see that language. You don't see that ideology in the scripture. You see, that is the, that is the test inside. Now, here's... Here's the downside of this. Out of two of these, they both wind up in the exact same place. Doing nothing and going away from God really wind up in the same place. Following God changes you. And it changes the world around you. In talking with these pastors, they were quite intrigued when I said, I wouldn't teach the values of the church. They were shocked. What would you do? I would teach them about the love of the Father, the pursuit of the Father, and that his promise is to come and dwell within them. And it would become the steward of their soul. That the Holy Spirit would do the heavy lifting instead of guilting. That the Holy Spirit would inspire them toward great things. I would start there and just watch the values begin to be revealed. You see, what we're trying to do is sell people a result. 
without giving them what gets the result. For us, I don't need somebody to tell me not to lie. I know that. Can you give me something else? Can you give me something different? And what we have is better. What we have is not a restriction. It's an abundance. I had a great question this week. Somebody asked me about, I I think I said it in the sermon last week, but maybe I didn't. Uh, Maybe I just said it to this person personally. So if I didn't say it in the sermon last week, I'll say it now so you can take exception if you like. I said, I have, um, the Spirit has stopped me from saying, well, I think the Lord is saying, I, I, I felt like, see, you hear what I just said? I felt like, that's that little connector that kind of, here's what the Spirit said to me. Stop saying that. You either can hear me or you can't. You either heard me or you didn't. I am or I'm not. There's plenty of ambiguity. It's not me, Bill. Listen, I will speak. So this person, in really marvelous conversation with this individual, kind of said, hey, but sometimes it's a maybe. But here's, here's my challenge. What the Spirit said for me is to stop doing that. You see that? You see why it's a challenge for me? So here's where I'm going with this. Um, Skip the next slide. Skip the next slide and go to beyond. Actually, skip that slide too. Go to ambassadors. We'll work with that one. They're really good. I'll give them to you later. But Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave me that ministry. Isn't that great? I feel really privileged about that. I'm pretty excited he gave that to me. That's, that's not this job, by the way. He's also given that ministry to you. He's given me the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself. So he's called me to participate in what he's already con- committed to. He's given me the role to work alongside him to participate in what he's doing. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, not calling them to virtues and values before calling them into a living relationship. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's committed that message to us. That good news, that story that God is restoring people to himself 
He's not demanding that they be virtuous and have values of Christ before that. He is calling all takers. That's what I do. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. It says, I have, through the Spirit, I have the thoughts of God. I have the values of God. I have the understanding of God. I have the wisdom of God. And it says here that God has made me an ambassador for him as a spokesperson. It's, it's as if God is making his appeal through me. That is some pretty heavy stuff. And there's no room in there for the person I'm speaking to to take the risk. And I will take the risk. I'm going to say, here's what the Lord says to you. Be healed. Have hope. Be strong. God is saying this to you. And like I was sharing about the man that the Lord was revealing these words. It was just like for 30 or 40 minutes, each of these words were specifically hitting this man's soul. I had a blast. I mean, I was just putting it out there, just bam, bam, bam. All these things that God was just putting into my head. Not once did I say, well, I feel like it could be. I'm not saying that's, those are bad words. I'm not trying to diss those words. I'm trying to say that if we are representing God then it's time we step into that with some authority. We have the authority. Ask God to give you and then speak. And if it's God, he's not going to be saying, well, you need to stop doing this. Why do we always start with the stop? Stop starting with stop. Stop is not a good starting place for any of us. I went to some training, and I was uh, talking to a guy, and he was working kind of a help center, and there was a girl uh, who, uh, she wanted to commit suicide. And um, this girl was a professing lesbian, was struggling in her relationship with this other female, and she was suicidal. And this was given to a number of pastors to deal with. You see, their first connection, their first statement was, in their thinking, you see, the reason you're suicidal is because of this in your life. Why, why would you start with what you see as what you think is wrong in her life, why wouldn't you ask the Spirit and ask her what's going on in your life? Because it turns out it had to do with her past and her family. Start with start, not with stop. Start with hope not with how they're disqualified. Start in a place where the Holy Spirit starts. I have walked with the Holy Spirit for many years. I, I really can't remember a time. 
I can't ever remember a time the Holy Spirit put me on a guilt trip. He's convicted me, but it always brought life to me. And if I'm working with the Holy Spirit, I know what he looks like. I know what God looks like. I don't, I don't have to guilt someone. People walk under enough guilt already. I bring something new to the table. I bring start, not stop. That's what we bring. You and I, in Jesus, we have the power of the Spirit. We can listen and we can be the answer in any given moment. We can bring hope and kindness in any given moment. We can bring healing. We can break the power of shame and guilt in any given moment. We have the power to do that. I can speak over someone. I can break the power of guilt and shame over them. I have that authority in the name of Jesus. I have the Spirit of God giving me direction. I will not fail the people he sends me to because of him. That's the church. That's the people of God. As I was talking with these pastors, it, I found it interesting that the church struggles if, it, if we say, okay, you can't talk about any Christian values or virtues. Those are off the shelf. You can't talk about them at all. Not even once. Go save the world. I tell you today, you're not stuck. And you don't have two separate lives. You don't have your real life and your philosophical believer life. You have one life. And there's a contradiction in it. Deal with your contradiction. Step into it and decide what you're going to do with it today. It's all yours. Step into your contradiction and decide, am I going to move away from God because I don't understand him and his lifestyle doesn't work for me? Or are you going to do nothing? Or are you going to step in to the garments of your faith? Are you going to begin to ask God, speak and I will listen, talk? I'm listening and watch and see what he does. And you will be able to talk to anybody on the planet, any language, any place, and you will be able to speak the heart and the mind of God in a way where people are moved and changed. That is his promise to everyone. You are not stuck. Your life is free to be inexplicable to the world. Anything else is a lie. Now I'm going to tell you something else. And I'm going to tell you this is from the Lord. 
If you're here today and you hear this message, it is for you. It is for you. It is for you. It is for me. If you hear this message, you're not here by accident today. You're not here by accident. You're not here because it's Father's Day. You're here because the Lord wanted to speak to you. If you would stand. Father, thank you for today.